Thank you for that, Rob. And the passage that Rob's just read to us, I think, is probably one of the best-known parts of the Bible. Um, even people who don't know very much about the Bible at all will probably have heard it because you'll have all heard the song, Turn, 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 uh, which is basically taken word for word from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And now, if you're like me now, you'll probably have this song in your head for the next week or so, so you can thank me later for that. Um, in the past uh, few years, since I was ordained as a minister, I probably presided at nearly 50 funerals, and I found that the text that we just read is in the top three of the passages that people will choose uh, to have read as the Bible reading at a funeral service. And I'll tell you uh, the other two <laughs> as we go along, because they're relevant too. So this is a passage that a lot of people know and will have heard, and it's worth thinking about what it means and what is it saying to us, because it's very significant. And as you, as you know, we've been looking at the book of Ecclesiastes for the last few weeks and thinking about um, what the teacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes, says about how we live. And this is a book that's about wisdom. It's a book about how to live life, um, given the fact that, as he says, life is actually exceedingly difficult to understand. Um, our lives are very perplexing and difficult to grasp. Uh, what's the meaning of life? So the key word in um, the book of Ecclesiastes is uh, hevel, as Tim explained to us a few weeks ago. Um, it's translated meaningless um, in our Bibles, but it really means it's, it's th things that are enigmatic, a smoke, a mist, something that you can't grasp. And he's saying life is like that. Uh, we think we can find an answer to the meaning of life, but then it fades away. Or we find that it's very difficult to know uh, what is real, what, it, what endures. And... Last week, then, we looked at one of the teacher's experiments about, well, what is the answer to the meaning of life? And so he really tried, he tried the question of, uh, does pursuing success and prosperity bring meaning to life? Is this the way that we should live? And the answer that he gave after his experiment is that, oh, okay, I enjoyed myself and I had a good time getting all the things that I wanted, pleasure, money and great achievements, but actually, in the end, um, I was faced with the reality that these things pass away, they're too... They're this smoke, they're mist, and again, the, the, the mystery of life still remained. Uh, the, we have these limits on our lives as creatures. We're faced by the reality of death and the things we lose, all the things that we have. And so all these answers that we're trying to grasp after uh, tend to fade away and we lose them all. So the passage today is about a similar idea. It's a different way of thinking about this problem, but similar uh, to that issue, though. And fundamentally, Ecclesiastes 3 is about a tension that we experience in our lives as human beings uh, between the life that we have and the life uh, that we want, uh, the life that we desire. Because uh, we have this strange desire as humans for more than the life that we have, for more than life can give us. And the key verses there are verses 10 to 11 of our reading, where he says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the human heart. Uh, yeah, and I think if you think about it, one of the really fascinating things about human beings and one of the distinctive things about us is that, is that on the whole, we, t we seem to be very restless and dissatisfied with the life that we have and our place in the universe um, in the way that other creatures around us aren't. Um, if you look at a fish, I think fish are pretty happy to be fish. 
They don't dream to be birds flying around. I don't know. I've never talked to a fish, but I'm assuming. Um, if you look, dogs don't dream the impossible dream that they'll one day find the best bone or you know, uh, dog food that will ultimately bring satisfaction to their life. They're pretty happy with what they are. Um, but human beings are different. We have these kind of grand desires. We look up at the stars and go, I reckon we could build a spaceship and fly out there and see what's there. Or I want, we build giant towers you know, and great monuments. We want to know what the, what's the secrets of the subatomic particles that make up our universe. And we also feel drawn to know the ultimate meaning and purpose behind the world. And we want, and we want to live it and we want to experience it. We want to live forever. We want to have perfect joy and perfect happiness. We dream about these things. And so the question is where do these desires come from and uh, what, is, what does it mean? Um, and I think for me this is actually one of the strongest arguments for the reality of God and the spiritual world. C.S. Lewis described this problem like this. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know, whether or not that's proof for the existence of God, um, what it is is an experience that most people have. Uh, We want more than the lives that we, our natural lives, can give us, and we seek after it. And that's what the teacher describes as our burden. We live in a world where we want to grasp after ultimate meaning or purpose or perfection, but they elude us like smoke. That's Havel. The world seems not to be substantial enough for what we want. And so one of the things that this does is it makes it hard for us to accept the life that we've been given and the realities that we experience. The world is beyond our control. Um, To accept things that aren't perfect, that are frustrating, discouraging, and that remind us of our mortality and the limitations that we have, to accept that. So the poem that we read in in, um, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 is about that experience. It's about the tension between what we want and what we actually have and the the life we experience. So he talks about seasons. We live in a world of seasons up and down. There's no such thing as a perfect and positive and continuously upward life the way we would like it to be. So he's talking about all these different seasons we have. We're born and we die. Sometimes we're building things up and sometimes we're tearing them down. We're dancing and then we're mourning. So this is a poem that's about recognising that we're not in control of the world. Despite the aspirations we have for great things or we want more than this, we are not in control of what's going on around us. Things happen to us, whether or not we want them to. So I think, in essence, this is a poem about the pain of being a human being. The pain. And that's how it should be read. Sometimes it sounds like it's sort of talking about things that we should be doing at particular times in our lives. Uh, When I was working with a particular family to put together their funeral service, we looked at this text and one of the family members said, well, I don't agree that there's a time to kill or a time for war. Um, There's never a time for war. And, you know, of course, we don't, we don't want there to be war, we don't want there to be death. Um, but that's the point, actually. Whether or not we want those things to happen, there are times when they come. Uh, even when we strive for peace or life, we get war and death. And that's what the teacher is saying here. Um, that's the way the world is. And that actually causes this problem that, that the teacher is talking about. We're striving for meaning, but we grasp these things. It seems the world isn't... Um, isn't as full of meaning as we want it to be. It's, 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 an, it's an enigma. We don't live in the perfect world that we desire. We live under the sun. We live in a world of seasons. And we need to figure out well, how to live in that world. 
And that's, his, that's how where his wisdom comes in. He says there's a season for everything and we go through these seasons whether or not we want to. And wisdom is in how we respond to that um, in the knowledge of God. So what does he suggest that we do? In verse 12 to 13 he has a suggestion. Um, he says, I know there's nothing better for people to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. And we looked at this idea again. He said the same thing last week um, on the question of pleasure. So the wisdom of Ecclesiastes is when you look at the world, there are seasons, um, things go up and down, and we don't actually know what God is doing. His plans are mysterious to us. But we do know that we have a life that we can live. He's given us things to enjoy. Uh, and we should take them with thanks and enjoy them while we have them. God's made the world, it runs according to his plans and we need to actually, he says, have have an acceptance of that. We don't know what's going on, so we take what what we do know um, is good. Uh, So in verses 14 to 15 he he says that, I know God, everything God does will endure forever. Uh, Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. He's made the world so that we can know that he's in charge and and to take with thanks the things that he's given uh, for us. God's in control and we're not. So what what he's suggesting is a sort of attitude, a fairly resigned attitude, acceptance. This is the way the world is. Let's live uh, live as best we can within it. And that's a fairly pessimistic view of life. Uh, But I think for many of us, the way we live, it's actually um, a healthy way to think about the world because it accepts the world as the way it is. I'll think a bit more about that in a second. But I don't think that's a satisfying answer. I don't think for many of us it is because it doesn't um, resolve the final problem, does it? We still have this burden, the burden of eternity. Um, We want more than this. We want more than just the good life that we can have, um, this limited life. And this is not just our unrealistic dreams. The the teacher says God himself has placed this desire in our hearts. Uh, We desire eternity. We desire... The, the, to get above the seasons of this world, uh, to, be, to be beyond um, impermanence and change and to be complete, to have stability that we've been promised, to have permanence, to be lifted out of you know, the havel, the smoke and the mist and to see the world as it is, to know the meaning and purpose and to be with God in a place where satisfaction and meaning will not elude us forever. That's a, that's a desire. We actually do want that still, even if life's really good. And so, because we, we know that God has actually made us for this, this is what he says. So this is a tension, and this is the, this is the issue that's raised. The, the, we have the world we live in, which we accept as a, to seasons, but we actually want more than that. And I think there are two things we should do with this tension as Christians, and um, as we think about how we respond to it. Um, the first, I think, is yes, as, as Ecclesiastes encourage us, we should actually be, have an attitude of acceptance towards uh, the seasons of life. Uh, one of the things that I think is a temptation when, we're, when you're wealthy, as most of us are, is to try and stop the seasons of life from happening or to sort of use the wealth or power that we have to kind of smooth out life and to create a life without seasons, you know. Take all the ups and downs and kind of make them um, all up. Uh, to shape the world to be the way that we want it to be. And I think that's why, as Del said, um, politicians promise that's what they're going to do for us because we want what we want and we'll use the power that we have to get it. Um, a trivial example for that would be the, of that would be the fact that for us, most of us now, oh, can you just wait for that, um, Chris, sorry, that's all right, thank you, um, would be to, that for most of us, if you know, fruit and vegetables are pretty much always in season for us, aren't they? Uh, if I go down to the shops now, I know I'm going to be able to get a banana. And 
I think we need to reflect on the amount of effort and money that it actually takes for that to, be, for that to happen. Um, to have what we want all the time, to never, for there to be no seasons, is actually a sign perhaps that we're trying a bit hard uh, to ignore the reality of, of the world as the way it is. And Because um, one of the things that makes the bad seasons of life seem so bad to us is that we're trying very hard to make, to make them not happen, that we shouldn't go through bad seasons, that these things shouldn't happen, it, things should always be good. And this is one of the problems that we experience um, in our culture because we are trying so hard to make life good all the time. We find it hard when things are bad to accept them and to understand and to make meaning of them. There's a joke that's used uh, when people in our culture whine about the really small problems. So yes, this is... Um, uh, have you heard the expression first world problems? You know, um, my iPad broke, so now my iPod broke, so now I have to use my smartphone as an MP3 player. Why, Lord, why? You know, um, I went down to the bakery and they just ran out of sourdough bread. I had to buy country grain instead. Oh, this is terrible. A few weeks ago, you remember me complaining about uh, a video game that I want to come out soon uh, being delayed. You know, that's a real problem. That's not a first world problem. That's, 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 that's meaninglessness. But, yeah, like, should, like, this belief that nothing should ever go wrong, and if it does, you know, it's, it's unendurable. Because most people in the world have much more serious problems than that, and most people through history have. And so, actually, I think we should take... To, it's, it's healthy and wise to accept the bad seasons that happen, that bad seasons happen, because they will, and we need to incorporate that into our worldview, otherwise we'll be continuously dissatisfied. Because the teacher is, is, I think, telling us that the purpose of life isn't to make it so that we don't have bad, time, bad times at all. To try to have no bad seasons is hevel. It is a smoke. It's something that you try and grasp and it, it won't work. Uh, it'll fade away because bad times are going to happen. Suffering is going to come. Um, that's why he says there is a time to weep. There is a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn. There are time to dance. There's bad times. And in this world, under the sun, most of us are going to be sad a lot of the time. And so try to ignore that. And I think also if you think about our entertainment industry or the distractions that we have, um, trying to put ourselves up, oh, I, don't want to, I want to just feel good. And we spend a lot of money and time on that. And again, to deny the reality. And people even do, sort of deny death um, and don't think about it until it's absolutely unavoidable. That's something I've experienced. Again, preparing people for uh, funerals. Uh, we don't realise it's going to happen until it does. And so the result of all that is we avoid facing the reality of the world that we live in and we don't expect to see God's presence in the bad times and to see to accept his, his plan for the world. We want our plan. We want the world to be my way. So I think this is something we need to learn from Ecclesiastes as well. That Christians should embrace the whole of life in its seasons with patience and trust that God is present. Because uh, when the bad seasons of life are not actually meaningless. Uh, God has placed eternity in our hearts for a reason and he's preparing us uh, to know him through ups and downs. Life isn't meaningless, actually, and suffering can be redeemed and transformed and made meaningful. That's the Christian hope. Uh, because we've been given as Christians an anchor into a source of certainty and stability that is um, different from what is um, just uh, perceivable under the sun. And that's what Jesus has shown us. And that's where we get to the second most common funeral Bible reading that I've uh, ever come across, which is John chapter 14. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples, um, but just before his crucifixion, they were troubled, they were discouraged, they were going through a bad season, the time to mourn. But he said to them, 
Um, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. So it's true, we don't know the way to eternity. We don't know what it's going to be like. and we, it's, it's a, It is still a mystery to us. But actually Jesus, we know himself, is the way. He says he's gone ahead of us. He's made a way. We have seen God, God's plan. We've seen what God's like. And we know what is awaiting us. He's made a place for us in our true home in the house of God the Father, beyond the seasons of life, in eternity, where we're what we were made for. So I think Ecclesiastes encourages us to reflect on how we, how we deal with this tension between eternity and the seasons of life. Firstly, to reflect on what, what, what season of life are we in at the moment and to realise and, and expect to see God there, however it is. You know? So you may, today you may be up, you may be in a good time or you may be in a bad time. Um, you may have thought that you would be in a good time, but it's turned out that that hasn't happened. Or you may have thought this would be a bad time, but life is actually pretty good and things are better than you thought they would be. We never really know where we're going to be, and that's the point. You know, at the beginning of this year, I thought, oh, 2016 is going to be a fantastic year for me. I'm going to be, it's a time for dancing. But in fact, it's turned out to be a time of mourning for me and my family. And we need to say, well, God is there still. Um, and he's given this season to us. And it's part of his plan under, for, for the world. This is life under the sun. But Jesus Christ is with us here, where we are. He came down to life under the sun um, to redeem the seasons of life and to bring them into God's plan. And he also goes ahead of us in every season. Um, and he's our sure and certain hope of, of eternity that God is placed in our hearts, even though we don't know how that's going to happen. So I'll finish by telling you the number one Bible reading that I get at funerals. Now, can anyone guess what that might be? Psalm 23, you win a prize. Yes, this is the most popular reading and for good reason because it really speaks about a summary of our journey as Christians uh, through the seasons of life and our hope and trust in God. So let me finish by reading it um, and as we reflect on where we are with Christ today. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let me pray as we reflect on that today. We thank you, Lord, that you have shown us the way uh, to the Father's house, that you placed eternity in our hearts and given us the way to reach it. We pray, though, as we live our life under the sun, that you would uh, help us to experience you with us in the seasons of life, uh, to accept what is good with thankfulness and to be with you in what is painful. We thank you for your love and compassion that you guide us, that life is not meaningless and you have a purpose for all of us. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.